0: thank you for this time. We pray, Lord, that you would bless this time that we have in your scriptures as we look at um, just a prophecy update, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, for the sake of the tape, I communicated the first extreme of Christians and prophecy. Sometimes we put our heads in the sand, and we don't want to know about it. We know that God's got it under control. On the other extreme, people will miss church to watch the news and stay plugged in and tapped into everything that's going on. It's kind of like when you listen to Rush Limbaugh uh, politically and you notice you start getting angry with everybody who's not Republican and everybody who's not your political persuasion. And all of these emotions begin to get stirred and you just want to go suck a Democrat, you know, or something. It's like... There's, there's, really? There's Christians that are Democrats. What are we doing? What are you thinking? I mean, come on, right? So we want to avoid those two extremes in prophecy. Amen? Amen. Current um, world events. The U.S. declares war with Syria. July 21st, Syria allowed Chemical warfare on its citizens and tens of thousands, I think the number is, die. 100,000? And so the UN is going to do nothing. For the next, I think, three to four days Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday we are going to see our President Obama on the news declaring to the citizens of this country to get us to buy in to understand why we need to declare war and we need to go and defend against that. On Friday, the Pope um, had a vigil, a prayer vigil for peace and no war. And so this is what's happening in our country as we speak. In addition, Russia declares war against the U.S. in support to Syria. And so this is real. This is like, this is on and cracking. Dang, this is real, man. Whew, right? Nuclear capabilities has Syria. In fact, they are known to have more nuclear capability than, if not all, most countries. Because after World War I, the UN, the nations got together and said, we, we can't do that anymore. Biological warfare is wicked and there's fallout there's casualties that we didn't even mean to happen and so it's on in college i took college courses i didn't graduate from college and i barely graduated from high school as you guys know but i took a class and it was i mean i learned i learned a lot of neat things in college and one of these classes that i took as a christian it provoked me to know what's going on in my world. Because you sound like an idiot when you're talking to people who aren't Christian, and they're talking about hot topics in the world, and you have no clue. Miley, Miley Cyrus did what? When? what, what, what What's that? Whoa. <laughs> I'm a Christian. I don't own a television. I'm too holy for that. Okay, maybe, but if again, you should know that Miley Cyrus tried to wiggle her butt on some you know, show, and and you should be able to dialogue about those types of things, depending on, of course, the world that you live in and the people that you come in contact with, maybe depending on your age. You know, you should have some idea. Imagine a high schooler going to school and, well, I'm too holy for that, and I wouldn't even know what happened. I mean, that's a a springboard to be able to share truth and a springboard to share the gospel. So I remember learning in this one class that I should know a little bit at least of what's going on in the world that I live in, the world that God has called us to. Acts chapter 17, we learned last week that God chose when we would live and where we would live. We live in America, and we live in 2013. We should know a little bit about what's going on. So when Syria is doing this, and when the U.S. is declaring this, and when Russia comes back and does this, we should know a little bit about that. We shouldn't be so oblivious to those things that when we are out in the marketplace and out in the workplace and out at school in our environments, that we are clueless. Who's Syria? Who? Who's Sarajevo? You know, we should know a little bit. So with that, why do Christians get up in arms? Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Jesus is walking with his disciples at the end of his ministry, and the disciples notice the beauty of the temple, and Jesus says, ain't gonna be here for very long. He didn't say it like that, but it's not gonna be here for very long, okay? And then they get him away privately, and they say, Lord, When will these things be and when will be the end of the age? They ask him three questions, but those are two. When will the destruction of the temple take place and when will the end of the world come is what they're asking. Matthew 24, 25, the Olivet Discourse because Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. In that Olivet Discourse, Jesus begins to proclaim these are the signs that you need to look for. One of them is wars and rumors of wars. One of them is pestilence. One of them is cataclysmic events in the world, okay? As in the days of Noah is another one of the signs. People were oblivious to God is what he's saying with the days of Noah. People were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage with no concern of God, okay? So I think that's why Christians, if you will, get up in arms when things like this starts to happen in the world, Okay? Should we get up in arms? I wouldn't say we should get up in arms, but I do say we should be aware. We should be watching for the signs that Jesus gave us. Now, in Daniel chapter 9, you have the prophecy of prophecies. By the way, how much of the Bible is made up of prophecy? 27 One out of every four verses in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation deals with future events. It is one of the ways that you can know that God is real. The book of Daniel has been accused of being a forgery because things were so accurate hundreds of years before they took place. With names of leaders that the world, the community of the world just looks at that and says no way. (laughs) <laughs> no way can that I mean they had to write it after And then claim that it was hundreds of years ago Here's the problem The Septuagint The Greek translation of the Bible Was written before the events took place And the Septuagint um, And just so there's no way That they could have been after If the very Septuagint The, the book of Daniel is in the Septuagint The Greek translation of the Old Testament So the evidence is there if you want to believe. Guess what? If you don't want to believe and have faith in something else, God will let you do that too. God wants to draw us and woo us, but he will not force us. He will not force our free will to believe. The evidence is there. The evidence is clear. So you have this prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. It's called the 70-week prophecy of Israel. It is specifically given for the nation of Israel as Daniel is in prayer. God, give me a vision. Show me what's up for my people. And so God gives them the vision of basically the 70 weeks of of Israel. Up to Messiah are 69 weeks. And weeks are eptaphs, the word, um, 77s. Seventy years of seven. And so we take it up to the 69th week, basically, and we have Messiah cut off, and now we have this time of the Gentiles that we are in right now. But you have one week, one seven-year period that is unaccounted for. That will be the great tribulation, or specifically the tribulation, the great tribulation is the last three and a half years of that seven-year period, okay? Okay. I'm giving you a lot because I'm setting up kind of a foundation. What should we be looking for? Many Christians are looking for the Antichrist the individual, a human being that will be uh, just like us, but possessed not with a demon, but with Satan himself. This man will be eloquent in speech, um, possibly Jewish, of other ancestry. Questionable ancestry at best. Um, powerful. The nations will give their power to this man freely. So picture the United Nations, and this individual sets up and says, "I've got a, I've got, have got a, I've got an answer for the Middle East. I can bring peace to the Middle East. This conflict, this battle, Iraq, Iran, Hating Syria, all of these nations hating Israel. I've got a solution." And he's going to set himself up And they're going to give him his, their power They will give him their power Okay And so many people Well it's got to be uh, the Pope And well maybe it's the new Pope And maybe it's Obama I don't know if you take his name But if you divide it It comes up 666 I don't know It just Oh man that man is evil You know and so many Christians <laughs> Many Christians Are looking for the Antichrist But where in scripture were we ever commended to look for the Antichrist? As Christians, we're called to look for Jesus Christ. We are called to be looking for his appearing, for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. Amen. So now, eschatology is the study of the end times. And if your eschatology doesn't cause you to live different in this world... Then you need to check your eschatology. You need to evaluate what you believe as far as the end and what is going to happen. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. We're going to look at a few scriptures and then I'm done. The book of Revelation is also called the Apocalypse. I love the book of Revelation. I've taught it four times. It's a simple book if you follow the divine outline of the book of Revelation. It's a very difficult book to teach because chapters four through like 19 all deal with the end of the world and God's wrath being poured out upon a Christ rejecting world. And that's hard to get through. That is very difficult. People are going to be shaking their fist at God as God is bringing judgment. Judgment is coming. So in Revelation chapter one verse nineteen, the Bible says, "To John, write that." Th-, and Jesus is telling him, "Write the things which you have seen, and the things which uh, are, and the things which will take place after this." Okay, the whole key to the book of Revelation is one nineteen, verse one nineteen. It's the divine outline. So. Jesus is telling John as he's going to give him a video screen picture of what to write. John, write the things which you have seen. Chapter 1, the vision of Jesus Christ, high and lifted up. Then, John, write the things which are, which exist right now at this time. Chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. The church age. The church. Starting with the apostolic church, first century A.D., um, the Smyrna, the persecuted church that would come out of the apostolic church. Uh, the state church is next. Catholicism, which comes out of the state church. Protestantism, which Martin Luther took the 95 Theses, t- tagged it on the door. Okay? Then the faithful church, the missionary church that is living right now that started in 1800s where the missionaries just went out and just shared the gospel throughout the world. And then the last day's church that is lukewarm and brings nausea to God where he will spit them out of his mouth that's, again, alive and well in our world today. Lukewarm individuals that just, they think they got enough religion, but mm, not a relationship with the Lord. So write what you see right now. Those seven churches existed on the earth when John would be writing. And then, finally, he tells them in that verse 119, and and the things which will take place after this. Turn to chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Write the things which will take place after this. The Greek word, metatauta. Write the things which will take place after this. And so that God, the Holy Spirit, making sure that we wouldn't be confused about this divine outline Two times in chapter 4, verse 1, he puts the word metatauta. It says, after these things, this is Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, metatauta, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this metatauta again. After the church age, John Church age, come up here. The rapture of the church is a pre-tribulation rapture. It is clear throughout scripture. Back in 1968, 69, 70, 71, Pastor Chuck Smith would proclaim as he would share prophecy, share prophecy having it right way back then that the rapture of the church will take place before the tribulation period and we see it so clear in scripture today. Now, is that an essential to go to heaven? Do I have to believe that Jesus is coming back before the tribulation? No, in that sense, you could be wrong. I mean, you, you know, you can have your own opinion. <laughs> Some people believe that Jesus is coming back in the middle of the tribulation period. Some people believe that he's coming back at, at, the, at the end of the tribulation period. I believe the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus will come back and take and rapture his church... Before the tribulation. turn to First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four. And we're going to see what effect this should have on our life. And again, if your eschatology hasn't caused you to live differently in this world, then you need to check your eschatology. First Thessalonians chapter four, starting at verse 13. Paul bringing a word of comfort because these, this church in Thessalonica was watching Christians die and Jesus said he was going to come back. And Jesus hadn't come back and so they were wondering, whoa, 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 whoa they're dying. What's going to happen to them? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 starting at verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. What is that Greek word? This is where we get the word rapture because in the Latin translation, it's raptuos. So the Latin word is raptuos from which we get our English word rapture. People will tell you, but the word rapture is not in the Bible. It's not. But this word right here, caught up is, and in the Latin translation of the Bible, It's raptules, the word rapture. So technically, yeah, no. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay. Part of why the rapture needs to be before the tribulation is because it's a comforting message. How are you comforted? Uh, you're going to go through seven years of hell on earth. I <laughs> will comfort you with that. Ooh. That's, not, that's not very comforting. We are going to be taken out prior to hell breaking loose on earth. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3 as we continue on in this topic. 2 Peter chapter 3. Two sections of scripture left. 2 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse. Wow, the whole chapter. All right, I won't read the whole chapter. There are those who will mock and say, Since the beginning of time, you Christians have been talking about the end of the world and the rapture of the church. And this chapter is addressed for that. And basically in verse 4 it says, "Insane! saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that the word of God, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water, by which the world that is then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now Preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. This fire that will melt, the world is believed to be a nuclear war. It's the only thing that would make sense in the context of God judging the world and the world being disintegrated. He's no longer gonna do it through water. Verse 10 says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And then it continues on in that same vein. Last section of Scripture 1 John chapter 2, right next door to Peter. 1 John chapter 2. What should our eschatology do for us? 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous... You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of, we are children of God, and it, is, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Your eschatology, my eschatology, our view of the end of the age and the end of the world and the judgment that is coming should cause us to live a life that is pure. And if we are messing around with sin, if we are doing things that we have no business doing, then we need to, again, check our eschatology because Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. And that shouldn't cause us to fear and have trepidation. That should bring just a sobriety to our lives that says, I I don't got time. I ain't got time for that. I don't have time for that, okay? I ain't got time to be messing around with that. Jesus could come back at any moment, and I need to be busy about his business because I've got a home and glory that outshines the sun. I've got something future that is out of this world literally and figuratively. I've got something that's better than the best thing on earth multiplied by millions and millions. I'm living for that world. I'm living for eternity. I'm living because Jesus, my Savior who redeemed me, is coming back And I want to make sure that I hear, well done, a good and faithful servant. I want to be faithful with what he's called me to. That's what our eschatology should do for us. And it's in the scriptures. Be like the Bereans. Check the scriptures out. Read it. Do what you got to do. Study it. Let it build a fire in your heart and a passion so that you can know it's tough. There's tough things that are going on on earth. There's some tough things that we're experiencing. But guys, do we got time to be wallowing? Oh, I'm bored in the Lord. Again, I'm bored, I'm bored in the Lord. You can't be bored in the Lord if you got it going on for Jesus. You can't because you'll be persecuted and you'll go through things. You'll be like, whoa, Lord. You'll be like Paul and Silas. Thrown in prison and what are you doing at the midnight hour? You're singing praises to Jesus. Being counted worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ? There's nobody on the other side of eternity in heaven going to be sorry for serving the Lord. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that you tell us before it happens. And Lord, we want to be those again, Lord, who are just looking up for our redemption draws near. So thank you, Lord. Thank you that um, we look at the cataclysmic events that are unfolding before our very eyes. And Lord, will America even be a nation any longer? Lord, will we be destroyed? Will we be our power taken from us? Lord, it doesn't matter because you are on the throne. And so, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't look for Antichrist or we wouldn't look uh, for who's going to bomb or, or who and be worried or concerned about that. But Father, that we would use the things that are going on in this world as a springboard for the gospel for the good news that we serve a kingdom that is out of this world where nothing and no one could affect it in a negative way. Until then, Lord, I pray that we occupy. Until then, Lord, I pray that we would be faithful, that, Lord, the individuals that come into our lives, Lord, that we wouldn't be mousy, worried about what they'll think about us or whether they'll like us, But, Lord, that we would just proclaim the message of hope that you've given us, of a vessel, Lord, of honor because of the message, the treasure that is within us. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you tell us before it happens. Lord, we thank you that we have a hope, a future. We thank you, Lord, that we can look up and that we can find peace in that. And so, Father, just continue to have your way in and through us as we thank you. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen.